A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. I'm Amanda Earl, and uh, with me is A.M. Kozak. And our special guest today is Ian Martin. Hello, Ian. Hello. I'm going to read a little bio. I guess I'm reading the bio. Yeah. Okay, so Ian's work has most recently appeared in Absolutely Orbital, In Words, Text Magazine, and a collection by Shrieking Violet Press. His first chapbook, Climbing Out of Other People's Hands, was published by Inwards Press in February of 2016. So almost, actually, a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's right. This is your, we're celebrating the anniversary of your yes. chapbook. Yeah. How's the, how's the, this isn't a planned question, but that just, since, just thinking about this being one year, how is it uh, sort of, how has it changed for you over the past year since your chapbook came out? Has there been a lot of changes with your poetry? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, looking back at some of the pieces in this book, I mean, even just now, um, so sometimes I forget some of them. Like, they they were just from a different time in my life, and I have a little trouble remembering that I wrote them or that I cared about them at one time. But some of them are, um, I just I read them everywhere, so I, I'm kind of used to them, and I think. I think in my writing, I'm trying to sort of build off of this in some way. Um, I'm not always intentional about it, but um, I sort of like some of the things I did in this book, and I'm trying to pick out the things that I really like that I want to sort of pursue for my right. next manuscript. That makes sense. And then some other poems like they kind of fall away, and you kind of yeah kind of forget about them a little bit. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, and then and then when you go to make like a full book length collection, you find that too. Like some mm -hmm. of the poems will work in some of the ones that you might even thought. You didn't like as much might mm -hmm. fit better in it so yeah. don't throw them away or anything <laughs> like that that's that's a yeah. nice yeah yeah right. okay so um let's go on to our first plan question your writing such as archive of google searches from august 2013 in the chapbook we just mentioned offers a kind of melancholy humor about the human condition somehow the overriding tone feels uplifting where does the humor in your poetry come from? Are there any particular influences, like comedians or comedy writers, or does it just come to you naturally? Um, I could sit here and list influences, but I think there are too many, and I'm not sure which ones are the most relevant. Um, I've just kind of been around comedy my whole life, so it's just kind of become natural for me to communicate to other people with comedy. Um, like, I talk to a lot of people about you know, comedy TV shows, and I read, I trade jokes a lot with my friends online, and it's just sort of the way I sort of process and deal with a lot of stuff is through joking. So it's just kind of natural. I think that that ends up in my writing as well. Um, I didn't really always do that. I used to write a lot more um, seriously, I guess, um, and didn't include a lot of jokes. Um, I'm not sure exactly why. Um, I remember. A little while back, um, probably a few years back now, um, I heard Dave Curry read something, um, and he's always very funny in his writing, yes, um, yeah. even the more serious stuff. Um, and that sort of, I think, was my first tip off that you know I could do that. Like I could, you know, try to make my writing a little funnier. Um, and I think it's just natural to, tr for me to put comedy into depressing subject matter. Um, it's a way to deal with it, I guess. Um, it's a way to sort of make it seem less bad. Um, 
But it's also a way to kind of gain power over a shitty situation, I guess. Can I say that? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've already um, said fuck on here, so yeah. we're, oh, we're perfect. all fine. Well, yeah. Um, a it's fucking Sunday. a fucking right. shitty situation. <laughs> uh, so uh, humor is a way to sort of get control over it. Like if you if you can if you still have the the faculty to joke about it, then it can't be that bad, right? Makes sense. Are you? Are you? I was wondering if you were a fan of Louis C.K. Because sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, uh, I think the um, dark and sort of the yeah. little dark wryness to your yeah, for stuff. sure. And I think a lot of comedians now are doing that. Um, like uh, Maria Bamford has always been a favorite of mine, and uh, her new show that she did with um, Mitch Hurwitz, who did Arrested Development. Yeah. Um, they did a show for Netflix called Lady Dynamite, and that's really interesting because um, it's sort of a fictionalized account of her life dealing with uh, being bipolar and going to a psych ward. But it's also this like zany fourth wall breaking comedy. Um, and it, I think it's just really interesting how they balance those two things. That sounds great. I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to watch that now because yeah, I'm, I'm always nice. looking for I love good comedy myself. Yeah. I find a lot of it. Um, I like I like the I like dark witty humor. Mm -hmm. I'm not really good with slapsticks. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, I'm also curious about uh, comedy and its relationship to poetry. And mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this a bit more lately, um, partly because um, one of my pictures I use on my one of my dating profiles is uh, me on stage with a mic. And a lot of most of the time people think I'm a comedian, I'm a stand up comic. And then when I say <laughs> that's, actually, that's very telling. <laughs> yeah, I'm a spoken word poet or performance poet, then that's that's the end of the conversation. right? <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in this. What is the boundary between performing poetry and comedy? If you're writing things that are funny and you're performing in front of a mic, in front of people, mm -hmm. people are laughing. Is that, does that mean it's just comedy or is that still poetry? Like, what is that? Where is that gap? Where is that difference? Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's, that's a hard question. That's something I've been grappling a lot with lately uh, about that. And also about other things is just sort of, where do you draw the line? Um, I mean, I think I do like I do a lot of I, I'm sort of branching out into digital writing, too, now. And it's like, yeah. what what counts as a digital writing project? You know, it, it, I don't know if there's a satisfying answer. Like, where's like, is there a line directly between, you know, comedy, like stand up comedy and writing? Um, I think a lot of the time things just kind of fall somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think uh, some I read something. Um, a while ago at an inwards reading um, that I saw more as sort of a stand-up set mm -hmm. than than poetry but it was also fictional like it, none of it was real it was about dating monsters basically like <laughs> werewolves and mummies and stuff like that um, and it, I wasn't really sure what to, to call it because it wasn't it wasn't uh, really intended as stand-up but also I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. But the thing is, I, I always, I wonder too, like I, I, whenever I do hear someone who um, reads poems that have some humor in them, it's it's so great because people really do want to laugh. Like, and mm -hmm. it just, it just, it, um, it breaks the ice so well. Even if you start off, even if you're doing something relatively seriously, even if you just open, if you have a, a like some kind of little something that just, mm -hmm makes people laugh it, it can really help so and yeah I think I think it's good I don't know like um, I I was recently last year I was at a reading where um, there was a stand-up comedian who did the um, the introductions and he was definitely way funnier than any of us poets <laughs> even even when we were trying our hardest so I don't know I think I think uh, I think it is 
it's probably like the I guess the comedians unless they're writing scripts they don't have to they don't have to uh, put their work on paper for anyone to see so they don't right. have to craft it as Although well. Although neither spoken word poets necessarily. Yeah, well they don't mm. either. But sometimes they do. Yeah, and just like with stand up comedians, they do video and right. and stuff like that. So people are can look at their work or hear their work again and yeah. again. So, mm -hmm. but it feels like it feels like. I guess too. There's an improv part of that's not necessarily part of some poets' thing. You know? It's true. So mm. yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think. I yeah. think it's always about pushing boundaries. Anyway. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, and I think it's good that we're you know at a point where we're sort of looking at you know how these different art forms are kind of you know flowing together and what can come out of that because I think you know making something that you know makes people question like is this stand-up comedy is yeah, this poetry is interesting because it yeah. gives us a chance to kind of look at the two things and how they're different and how they're the same that's it and now next time I, I hear you read I'll say to myself is that stand-up <laughs> no sure. stand-up poetry or, or you yeah know, I think a lot of it's comedy I don't yeah know. <laughs> I think I think some of it's focused too I mean Right. Poets are maybe sort of more focused on, you know, imagery or how the words sound, um, but they can still be funny, right. whereas stand-up comics are more focused on the jokes and how they can, you know, and like where the jokes come and how they sort of Timing, run the jokes yeah. together. So I think it's it's probably just a focus thing. It's all really, it's just writing something and performing it, but right. they, you focus on different things. Yeah, and trying to engage with the audience once you're up there or engage with a reader. So mm -hmm. it's engaging with someone outside of yourself, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think you said Ian makes makes a lot of sense to me. But it's about how we conceptualize different types of art, different modes of art. If it's all just performance or all just creation, it's it is kind yeah. of how you're focusing on it and how you're. Yeah. I don't want to say in word intention, but I think focus is a very good an, word. Yeah, yeah, there's intent to, in, in some sometimes sometimes yeah, yeah. Want to move on to a question too? All right. Sure. So next, from comedy, we move on to myth mythology. I, I was interested by the way you, um, in in especially in the chapbook, the way you mm -hmm. tie mythology and contemporary life together. So so poems like Leander makes the world's first kickstarted journey into space, which I, I love that one, is the rewriting of the story of Hero and Leander. I had to look that one up. I'm, my mm -hmm. mythology isn't all that all that uh, current right yeah. now. And and Luke Cates prepares to base jump off a cliff. So yeah. So what what made you? Uh, in, what inspired you to tie those two things together? It was a joke, to be yeah. honest. Um, I I had written a poem about Leander because I was sort of looking into um, sort of lesser known mythological figures yeah. um, just for kicks, I guess. And I had written a poem and I was about to take it to a writing workshop um, and I couldn't come up with a title. So I was just kind of spitballing and just throwing whatever I could together. Um, and the poem was kind of about how Leander was kind of like under pressure from all these people to be a certain type of tragic romantic hero. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of, I had this tenuous, I had this thought uh, to connect it to Kickstarter, which um, it, it's not really the same thing, but it's that idea that like people are trying to fund you to do a project. And so you're kind of, um, they have certain expectations of what they want to have happen, they, what, yeah. what they want you to make. They get perks um, and things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you if you displease them, then it doesn't go very well for you. It was just kind of like a throwaway joke. Um, I think the space part comes from the fact that he drowns at the end and like yeah. the, the moon and the stars are reflected in the river. So haha, it's kind of like he's going to space. Anyway, it was really, it was really, it was this just <laughs> dumb last minute thought I had before I went out the door. Yeah. And then I, I took it to the, the, uh, the inwards writing circle. Actually, this was, this was a while ago. This was like a year or two ago. Um, and 
people liked the poem, but they mostly just liked the title. And then somebody, I think it was Jeff Bates, just suggested, like, try writing a poem based on that title. Like, write a poem about Leander actually going on a Kickstarter journey into space. Um, and that's the poem that ended up in the book. And I I, I like it a lot more than the other poem, but it, the other poem's still good. It's, it's, it's sitting around. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just kind of a joke. Um, I think looking back on it, um, I think modernizing the stories uh, is it's just a way to sort of take these characters out of their original context and put them somewhere else. Because um, I was interested in Leander and Lucades as sort of being these sort of lesser known figures that sort of exist for a very specific purpose. Like Leander is just, he he dies for love. And yes. he's just sort of upheld as this sort of tragic hero. And um, Lucades is just one of the many men that Apollo tried to sleep with. And, um, you know, it drove him crazy and he killed himself. So um, that it, it just feels like it's kind of, it, they're definitely depressing stories, but also it just feels like there's so much more to these characters than just these sort of like throwaway lines about how, you know, they drown in a river or how they threw themselves off a cliff. Um, and so moving them into a modern context gave me sort of a chance to get them out of their original stories and put them in a new context that maybe they'd, do better in that maybe that if we just move them somewhere else then maybe they had could have a chance to really express themselves and and be more than just bit characters and other people's stories that's quite nice actually you you've helped them out you've given them you give them a bit more i hope so i hope they're doing well that's nice well you could you could write follow-ups <laughs> yeah you keep going you know, yeah or, or even write about others i guess too if you, i'm sure there are other yeah i did characters. actually at one point entertain trying to do a whole book of these yeah. of just these but i got to the third one yeah. and <laughs> it just it wasn't coming together yeah. um but I, I kept them around and now um they have a new life in this chat book as sort of the bookends yeah um are you still writing myth poems then now or not, not really i it was just kind of a phase i guess um it interested me a lot at one point and now i just i haven't really had the inspiration to go back but i'm, I'm sure like at some point i'll i'll go back yeah they, they were fun very nice all right so let's see okay so and with both your poetry and prose, you, I, I feel like there's a comic book and fairy tale quality to it. I don't know if you see that, but um, I'm thinking of like, for instance, Adriana and the two, 2010 Accord, which was really interesting, fun, and Swamp Monster. And even in earlier poems, and I, I guess it's okay for me to say this, that you, like, I, you, you've been submitting poems to Byward since 2008, and I, I've always really enjoyed your poems. They were okay. um, macabre visuals such as Blood Clot Bouquets and a poem called Hemlock, which we published in 2014, yeah. or Paper Lanterns Droop and Sway Like Hangman on a flat blue night in Soir Bleu, 1914. So I was wondering if comic books and fairy tales are influences for you at all, and if you have any favorites. Oh, definitely. Uh, I think basically I just consume a lot of media, um, and it all sort of ends up informing what I do. Um, fairy tales, uh, I think I'm more just interested in the framework of fairy tales. I think it's a really interesting sort of um, structure. Um, to sort of explore and put different types of stories in. Um, just this idea of like ordinary people being thrust into these sort of magical situations that are very dark, but sort of whimsical at the same time. Um, and I just think that's a really interesting sort of realm to explore. Um, yeah. But I don't know if I have any favorite fairy tales. Or, um, or, or, or a comic book or a, yeah. a comic book artist or something. Comic books, definitely. Um, yeah. I've, I've uh, one of, one of my favorite um, graphic novels is uh, something called Seconds um, by Brian Lee O'Malley. 
Um, he was more famous for doing Scott Pilgrim, but uh, Seconds was his kind of follow-up. Uh, and it's 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 very interesting. I think the way he structured it is also kind of um, sort of like a fairy tale. Um, like it's an ordinary person living their life, but then, you know, they find these magical items. Uh, and I think the... I think what interests me about it is that it's it's sort of an amalgam of all these different things. Like it's, you know, a sort of a slice of life story, but it's also kind of a fairy tale. And the having it be a comic book sort of adds another element to it um, because I think it's very different than, you know, what we considered comic books like 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm just really interested in things that mash up a lot of different genres and try to do something interesting with it. Is- is part of what you're interested in in um, in graphic novels and fairy tales is part of it the the magical or maybe a surreal quality even to it uh, as opposed to like I don't know I'd call it more typical literary expressions. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely the that sort of like mix of the real and the unreal is super interesting to me. Um, I write a lot of dream poems yeah. too, mm-hmm. um, and just it, it's an interesting sort of place to explore. Um, it, just when things are are basically real, but you can do something slightly different with them, um, I think, like you can have a story that's sort of real and very grounded in reality, um, but you can sort of explore some of the the feelings that the characters are having mm-hmm. or some of the struggles that they're dealing with in sort of a, a sort of more fantastical way. Like there can be some magic elements that come in that sort of parallel what they're going through in their real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I think that's just an interesting um, way to kind of explore your characters um, beyond just sort of... Right their everyday lives have you ever got into like magical realism or anything like that i've never actually read any magic realism but it's always been at the forefront of my mind that i should <laughs> um, <laughs> i think you might like it based just based on absolutely yeah no and i was thinking about that um a lot um sort of in relation to this question is that i've always sort of meant to do that and i think that's exactly the kind of thing i'm interested in that's sort of like basically real but with a little bit of um, a little bit of that magical quality. Yeah, I really liked. I haven't read any magical realism in a while, but I I read a it's a, Isabella Allende. Yeah, Allende. Uh, yeah. What's what's her famous most famous book called? <sighs> we'll find it. It's a really good book. I liked it a lot. I, I've like I read like two of her books, and I like both of them. They, in in translation, yeah, but yeah, they are good. I'm losing my grasp of titles these days. Like <laughs> I know I can like I remember the story, but uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. it was good. Sure. I recommend it. There you go. Just read all of her books yeah, and then you'll find the one sure. that Aaron Yeah, one liked. of them. I think she has a lot. <laughs> she has a big undertaking. That's right. Yeah. And also, I was just as a side question too, because you you work in well a few like poetry and prose, like mm. you, and fiction, I guess primarily is. It, do you find that you um, you gravitate towards one more than another sometimes, or? Yeah, it depends. Yeah. Um, I mean, like we've been talking about, like I think. When I approach a project, I don't really think about it in terms of genre. It just sort of ends up being kind of like a weird mix of various things. Like I started writing poetry and then I started, what I was writing ended up kind of being more prose, poemy, and then it sort of just, sometimes I'd take a poem and try to turn it into a short story. And I don't know if there's like a specific um, way I kind of differentiate between them. I guess poems are more sort of immediate like they're about smaller sort of scenes 
really. And then if, if I want to tell a story with like a lot of background and yeah. um, uh, more than one scene, I sort of go to prose. Um, and that's just kind of, I'll just start writing something and then I'll decide like, is this good enough on it as, as just a small piece or is there more, do I need to put more into it? And then it sort of usually turns into prose. I think a lot of times poetry, and obviously this is not a, a rule yeah. or anything, but yeah. a lot of times it captures a moment or mm -hmm. a feeling or an idea, like kind of like a closed one type of thing. Yeah. And you describe it or you're explored, that kind of thing. Whereas stories or drama or anything like that would typically have, you know, not just one moment yeah. or like, Maybe one really, really, really interesting moment, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, actually, I just, I've <laughs> been, just a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I got recommended a, a book called The Mezzanine, which is actually a story about um, all of um, a man's thoughts uh, as he takes an escalator from uh, the first floor to the mezzanine. Weren't you telling me about this? Yeah, I yeah. I have, I have a copy of it. I haven't read it yet. Um, but a couple <laughs> of my friends have. Um, and it's just this really interesting idea of that it, it can somehow be a novel uh, or a novella length book but it's just about this one small moment right. but it's just sort of like it, taking a look at his thoughts and kind of like drilling down into them and, and really exploring every like small piece of this moment maybe it's a poem maybe it's a poem <laughs> maybe it's a poem isn't ulysses just about one day in june yeah know? So exactly i think, I think yeah I, I and think, i think that's part of it too yeah, is just yeah. that we we have preconceived ideas of what you know poems and prose are but if you look back like people have done really long poems people exactly. have done really short prose you know the, the long poem is an example yeah of a, so it can be several moments or who knows you know mm -hmm. who knows what these I, sometimes for me i, I guess because like, i i write both prose and and i wrote both fiction and and poetry with with a with a story i can develop a character more and that's mm -hmm. that's the difference for yeah me. i i and that i i still like characters and i like to use characters in poems too but yeah. i feel like i can develop them to a greater extent in a story yeah yeah it doesn't I, have to be that way though <laughs> i've had i know some people i guess purists or whatever you want to call them purists. think that uh if you have a um if you use sentences sentence structure it's not a poem so i write oh well <laughs> i'm lost right and I, <laughs> yeah. I think that um i I consider myself not writing any prose. I but the thing is, I almost exclusively write prose poetry. Yeah. Yet I consider myself exclusively yeah. a poet, which is kind of probably odd. But it makes yeah. sense to me. I don't know. Like when yeah. I'm writing, I it, think those purists never sure. encountered Baudelaire, who wrote prose poems a long time ago, and they mm. were sentences. So duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's think, what I say to purists. But yeah. <laughs> I think part of it for me too is I guess I use constraints a lot more with poetry than I do with prose. Mm -hmm. Like prose just mm -hmm. kind of ends up being like I just write it. I just write, you know, as much or as little as I want. But with poetry, I try to put constraints on it, like, um, you know, line length, or um, I try to use repetition, yeah. or I try to limit the number of words I use. And uh, um, so you, I think that's part of it too. Is just do you read your poems? Out, do you read your writing out loud when you're when you're? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you do um, with prose too, or just with poetry? Yeah, with prose too. Yeah, um, I do it too. Yeah, I just like I like to know how it sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and sometimes reading it out loud changes how I put it on the page too for poetry. Yeah, yeah. I actually that's why I love open mics too. I'll, I'll actually change um, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, when I I practice too for open mics, and I I'll change my work to make sure it sounds uh, you know it's strong enough and yeah. uh, in the air as well as on the page. <laughs> this is a that's great a, uh, great transition to the next question. Too. Yes, yes. So we're talking. We just talked about this. So how do you find reading your work in public? <sighs> I. I'm always very nervous when I read. Um, 
at first it's just you know it's it's hard to get up in front of a bunch of people and and share something creative because like what if they don't like it you know i think that's initially what it was and now it's just kind of i don't know muscle memory i just find that every time i'm about to go up on stage i get nervous Mm -hmm. um I don't know if that ever goes away, but yeah, I, with me, I find if I'm not nervous at all, it's a bad sign. Like it means yeah. I'm sort of disengaged. Yeah. But mm. if I'm if I'm different situations, like I'm nervous reading at different places, like yeah. out of, out of Ottawa, I find more nerve wracking or right. with mm-hmm. people I haven't read with before, things yeah. like that. But um, yeah, I I find I still get a little bit nervous, but yeah. I don't get nervous like I did at oh, the yeah. very beginning where it was it was like almost sick to my stomach. Nervous. Oh yeah, no, I I, I get that. think I interrupted myself halfway through a short story once uh, to apologize for how much my hands were shaking because mm. <laughs> I couldn't read <laughs> the the words on the page properly. I remember back in my psych days, we learned that um, there is a certain amount of anxiety that is optimal. Yeah. Mm. You want to have like enough that you are invested or care and you're like putting your best foot yeah. forward when you're performing in front of people. Yeah. But obviously you don't want to have so much that you're stricken. Yeah. But if, yeah, again, if you, if you don't have any at all, it kind of means you're just like, kind of like whatever yeah. mm-hmm. it shows. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. One of the things that happens to me when I get nervous is I, I basically float out of my body, yeah. but I can mm. still do, people still think I'm there and they don't know that I'm not paying attention to. Right. And that's not good for me. Like I have not mm-hmm. engaged with the audience, with, but no one seems to, well, Charles, well, my husband will notice, but other people will not notice that I have not mm. there anymore. Feel present. Yeah. yeah. I'm not there. Mm. I'm just, mm-hmm. it's just a talking automaton yeah. you know it's not it's and i hate that feeling actually because mm-hmm. i know and i try to bring myself back but if i get nervous that's yeah just yeah. i just disassociate and that's yeah, a coping that's actually, me- mechanism yeah i think that's pretty common if you're yeah. feeling a lot of uh, anxiety in a situation yeah. yeah depersonalization i think is what it's called yeah. okay. or dissociation technical, yeah technical we have word. to pay yeah. him for that now oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it all right so i just love using that word oh yeah waiting to throw it in there all these times yes yeah, really we finally it's been a drinking game we couldn't drink until now it's terrible <laughs> so yeah and also because a lot of your poems have that dark they have some melancholy and yeah. uh, darkness to them um, um, sometimes, but people uh, like the sometimes laugh at that. Yeah. And, and when you first heard someone laugh at something of yours, were you surprised? Did you? Um, I don't know if I was surprised the first time because, um, uh, like I said, like I was trying to sort of make funny things, and yeah. I think it, when I first heard someone laugh, I felt sort of validated. Like, okay, what I'm doing works. Like it reads. Like people are engaged. Like it's a good way to tell whether people are sort of laying, uh, picking up what you're laying down. Um, but definitely sometimes when I'm reading dark and depressing stuff, sometimes I'll say something that wasn't meant to be funny yeah. and people just laugh at it. And I, I don't know if that's just because they're used to me being funny maybe and they think it's supposed to be funny or we've just gotten to a point where like self-deprecating humor is such a big thing and joking about really dark things is such a big thing that sometimes it, things seem funny maybe because I'm delivering them in a certain way or I don't know. Yeah, I, I also think sometimes that um, awkwardness makes people laugh. Like, I think we, yeah. we're uncomfortable, and sometimes the only way we know how to right. sort of That's you know, true socially too. come mm-hmm. is just, I mean, I know I laugh. You can usually tell with me if I'm if I'm making really bad puns a lot, I'm uncomfortable, and I'm, I'm laughing a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, but yeah, but I, I, I find sometimes like... Uh, I'm surprised at places where people laugh mm-hmm. in, a, in a poem, like I, something I didn't think yeah. was funny. But, but uh, that's a good point. I mean, I think uh, that's a good way to look at it, that people laugh, I guess, when they're they're feeling awkward or nervous. 
And so if you, you lay down something really heavy or, you know, really intimate or personal or something, then people might sometimes just laugh because they're like, oh, I can't believe that they just said that. <laughs> I had the same experience. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it could be like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Like we, and I'm sure it happens a lot of time unconsciously. We just, yeah. We, oh, yeah. in order to avoid that, or even maybe if, if the audience may be noticing you look like you're uncomfortable on stage, maybe they feel like laughing too, mm-hmm. like to like sort of, Maybe to um, help make you feel more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Laughter um, is the best medicine. Oh, that's exactly. right. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, somebody said that. Reader's Digest Ooh. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we move on to the last sure, question? Sure, we have one more question. Sure. All right. Um, it's a packed question, though. Yeah. Uh, so you have an interest in the digital, such as with your online-only chapbook that you released the same time of your Inwards chapbook last year. Remind me of the title of it. Uh, you are a bad person. There you go. And what does this mode allow you to do that print doesn't? Um, well, I was thinking about this a lot. Um, I think a lot of the times, uh, there are a lot of things that you can do digitally, um, that you can technically do in print, but it's just, it's easier and it's a little bit cleaner in digital. Um, like I've done several, um, sort of like choose your own adventure things digitally. Oh, okay. And like there were choose your own adventure books, you know, right. in elementary libraries across the country. I um, those books. Yeah, and like it's it's fun because you're sort of you're you you feel like you're a part of the story, you know, you're you're sort of helping write the story, which I think a lot of people um, like. And uh, digi- the digital realm makes that uh, pretty easy um, and pretty clean. Um, so that's a big big thing for me with digital is is making interactive stories. Um, yeah. I'm still sort of figuring out what all I can do and what all I want to do with that, but. Um, it's just a way. It's just another way to sort of engage the reader, and um, make them feel sort of more a part of the work. You said you're still figuring out how what you can do with it. Are do you have any ideas of how you want to expand on this mode of expression, or anything kind of floating in your head? Yeah. So I've been thinking about doing um, doing more um, sort of. Um, there was a poetry movement called Ulipo, um, yeah. where there were a lot of. Um, that's fun. Yeah, there were a lot of, uh, you know, like you you'd sort of write a poem, cut up all the lines, and then people could rearrange the lines as they see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'd, I'd be interested in doing that more, like putting some poems up and sort of giving people tools to sort of mash them up and remix them. Yeah. Cool. That's great. I know someone actually who does that because there was a oh, yeah? um, guy who is one of the editors of uh, Found Poetry Magazine, Doug Lumen, and he, I think that's his last name. I'll send you, I'll, I'll, sure. I'll post a link for everyone actually. It's a it's a great, He's he's got a site, it's called Applied Poetics or something, oh, and cool. he plays around with a bunch of different Olympian constraints. Nice. Like there's a whole yeah. pile of different ones. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, and he, so you can, for instance, alphabetize all the text in, in a, mm. a paragraph, or you can nice. remix them and stuff. Yeah, I'll send you that. Oh, that's it's awesome. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and just uh, another thing I've been looking into is um, a lot of people um, are sort of uh, using um, like artificial intelligence to try to write poems. Right. Um, so bots and things. Yeah, so uh, I think it was um, Emily Daniels, I think. Um, I, I saw her give a talk um, about uh, sort of making a neural network and she would feed it poems from two different um, authors and then the the neural network would try to spit out poems that were kind of a mashup between the two writers. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, I've done a little bit of of bot work myself, but um, nothing too complicated. Um, one of them, I think, does. Uh, I just sort of give it all of the poems I've ever written in a text file, and it sort of breaks them up into lines, and then 
throw you know picks a couple random lines and throws them together well that's a great idea yeah which is interesting because you get output that sort of looks like you could like you sort of looks like you wrote it but it doesn't totally make sense Mm -hmm. um but if you run it enough times you can get things that sort of seem intelligible um which i think is really interesting Mm -hmm. sounds fun um just one more question uh off of this um you, you talked a little bit about how these um, the digital mode of expression allows you to do things that you might not be able to do in print or expand mm-hmm. on things you wouldn't be able to do as easily in print. Is there any other reason why any other reason why it's important to you um, the digital? Um, well, I think it's important to me for a lot of reasons. One, it's just it's, it's I've been doing digital stuff my whole life, so it's nice to have a way to sort of mash up my writing and my my digital prowess, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's nice that I can do that. Um, I think it's also just um, the digital realm gives a lot of different people um, sort of a um, a way to make really interesting art um, and uh, access it. Yes. No, you know where I'm going with this. I just like I'm trying to (laughs) I worked myself into a corner there. Let me start again. Um, I think one thing that's really important to me about um, digital writing is how um, accessible it is. Um, There are a lot of programs like uh, the um, the digital chapbook I put out. You are a bad person. I made using something called Twine. And you had like a QRT code in in the chapbook. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 Um, And Twine is a really great program um, because it's it's pretty easy. Like you don't need a lot of technical knowledge to do it. Um, so it's, it, it does a lot of the, the backend coding stuff for you. Um, and you can just sort of write and, um, make these interactive pieces, um, which is really good because it gives people a way to do something really cool and really interesting, um, that they maybe don't, um, they maybe don't have a technical background, but they can still yeah. make a really cool digital product. Um, plus, um, just, it, it's really easy to access things digitally. Um, like it's really easy to share things. It's really easy to post things. Um, you know, um, with print, I mean, you can definitely self-publish stuff. Um, but I feel like it's more common to self-publish digitally. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I could have self-published this chapbook, but I ended up going through inwards. And I mean, a lot of the time with publishing, I feel like you have to kind of go to someone and have them sort of print it for you. Yeah. Um, definitely, there are like the zine making movements and stuff, but I, I feel like it's just more common to be sort of published, you know, in in the print world. Whereas digitally you just throw things up wherever. Yeah, Tumblr the, or wherever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you never know. And you can and that way you can access a whole different audience quite often mm-hmm. too. Like people you've never and and some like not that every part of the world is able to uh, connect digitally, yeah. but still, you know, more than just your little yeah group in one sort of like Mm-hmm. 50 copies of a chapbook or yeah. something so, and i yeah. think yeah i think a lot of people um well definitely a lot of people my age just are always online too yeah. and not necessarily like not all of them necessarily like to read or go to libraries or buy books right. um so having digital writing is a way for them to sort of get access to that without right. uh, you know in in their own context i guess or in their field yeah. yeah i'm getting to the point where if a site isn't isn't uh doesn't have a mobile yeah like if it hasn't doesn't have a good uh, mobile app like app like can, can't work on my phone I, I almost never look at it this yeah. is more, <laughs> i'd like it to be good on the phone well thank you Ian. that was a really wonderful conversation yeah. i'm happy that you um 
did that with us. And I'm going to throw it over to Amanda for, for right. the last word. Right. Because I, because I, I, I wanted to say that, uh, yeah, I really, I was really looking forward to uh, talking to you today because I, I, I certainly have been a fan of your writing since you first started submitting it to Bywords uh, back in 2008. And that the reason, some of the reasons, uh, so I like the images. They often remain long with me after I've read them. And then, oh, I go on for a long time here. Oh, well, for instance, oh, yeah, I've, I've talked about um, in the chapbook. Okay. Uh, okay. How do you pronounce this? Uh, Apotropaic? Apotropaic, I think. I'm not 100% sure either. Okay, I, I never check with Google Translate, but, but like, listen, to, like, this is so great. I shiver in leather and wonder if you played the violin breeze that crawls beneath my bones. Like, that is so strong. And then yes. on letting go, there's a little uh, tear in my dream body and people slip pieces of themselves inside. Like, that really got to me in, in many ways. So, yeah. So, so yeah. And I do find your, I said, I talked about, we talked about it being uplifting and yeah. Um, but there's like, there's these descriptions of despair and not descriptions. There's these little moments of despair and alienation and discomfort in such poems as Swamp Monster and Beauty in the Eye of the Beholder. And, and I always feel alienated and awkward. So I find your re writing to be a relief and I feel like I'm not alone. I bet I'm not the only one who feels that way. And you end your chapbook with this quote, uh, unknown, uh, you know, um, attribution, but yeah. to a, on every surface you are used on, you must leave your mark. No matter what the condition, you must continue to write. So you, you, for, you've already left your mark and I'm sure you'll, you'll continue to do so. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak.